Hi everyone, I'm Rosemarie Miller and we are backstage at the Forbes 30 Under 30 Summit and I have the pleasure of speaking with the Managing Director and Founder of Clio Capital, Sarah Kunst. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you. So Sarah, what was your inspiration behind Clio Capital? You know, I had spent a lot of my career as a startup entrepreneur, operator, um, even as a venture capital investor, as a VC. And, you know, it was interesting having spent like a decade in the industry and seeing kind of, you know, what was changing and what wasn't changing. There were more and more money kind of going into venture, but it wasn't going super early stage for the most part. And so, you know, started Clio Capital in large part because there really was this gap at the earliest stages of funding where if you had, you know, revenue or a lot of users, a great story, you could go out and raise a large series and you could maybe raise a seed round, but that sort of pre-seed, the earliest, there was just a huge gap there for institutional funding. And, and, you know, I felt that it was the best opportunity to make money, which is, you know, my job at the end of the day, but also to help, you know, back the kinds of founders that I want to see build amazing things in the world. Well, we love that. Why? Now tell us the how. Yeah, I mean, so running a venture capital fund or starting a venture capital fund is sort of funny because I like to joke that you make a li list of all the rich people you know, you know, and ask them for money. And if they give you money, you have a fund. And if they don't, you're going to have to make that list longer, right? And, and no doesn't mean, you know, your best friend or your, you know, parents. It's really looking at, you know, who have you been on panels with? Who have you, you know, met at conferences? Who also went to your your university? Or, you know, who, who did you intern for that now years later is working for somebody else who's actually somebody who's an investor, right? And so it's taking a really broad view of who in your network, you know, potentially wants to fund you. And that's true when you're fundraising for a startup as well. Um, you know, and then the other thing that made sense for me in terms of the how is that I had been doing it for a very long time. I had worked at a big venture capital fund. I had been on a limited partner board at my alma mater. I had been, you know, an advisor and mentor at a ton of startup accelerators. So I didn't wake up one day and say, I want to start a venture fund. Some people do that, more power to them. Um, but, you know, I had worked in and around the space and then got to a point where I realized that what I wanted to do wasn't really being done inside of an existing fund that I could just go join. Mm -hmm. So if I wanted to do it, I would need to start my own. So I'm curious, how did you approach these people with your request? Because you know how it is, you somebody asking for money, let me dodge them with everything I can. How did you approach them? You have to corner people. Never go up to them where they have an exit <laughs> escape, right? But tr truly, right, to some extent that's true. So yes, if you are, you know, I would I would think about this and I would strategize. And you know, I'd worked in New York and Silicon Valley for a very long time. I knew a lot of these people, but I wouldn't go up to them, you know, at a sort of crowded, you know, cocktail party and say, hey, I want to tell you, you know, about my startup. I might say, hey, or my new fund, I would say, hey, you know, I'm I'm in town, can we grab coffee, right? And then you're you are sitting down with them and that is that is what you want to talk to them about, right? Or, you know, I would if I were sitting next to somebody at a dinner and we were going to be sitting there for hours, that's a lot different to start that conversation than it is, you know, when you're seeing somebody in passing. And so, you know, when it comes to raising money for anything, I think that people focus a lot on sort of the ask and why they need it and what they'll do with it and less on the strategy. Um, and there's a huge amount of strategy, right? It's like when you're little and you're going to ask your mom, you know, can I stay up past my bedtime? You cannot go up to her when she is tired and stressed. You just build something all over and you're fighting with your sibling, right? You're going to get a no. You have to go up to her. You know, my mom would always joke that, like, if she was getting a foot massage from one of the kids, she knew that the next thing that was going to be coming was an ask, right? But she was more likely to say yes. 
And so don't give people foot massages before asking for money because that is a different conversation. But, you know, think about how do you prime the pump and think through that strategy so that it's it doesn't feel like at a bad time or, you know, when there are crazy things going on in the world or the day before, you know, a major holiday when people are traveling and busy, whatever. Mm -hmm. Just make a strategy and it's a lot easier than to ask people, have them listen and have them potentially say yes. Have you always been a strategic person? Yes, wildly strategic. But I think it's something that some people probably are a little bit more intuitive about than others, but it's something that we can all learn, right? Everybody knows that if you want a favor, you don't go up to somebody and say, I hate you and your hair looks stupid, give me this thing that you don't have to give me, right? Mm -hmm. So we all do this in our daily lives, right, all the time. And so when you think about it from that perspective, it's just, you know, sort of the same thing. I used to, one of the, the one of my sort of most underutilized, I think, hacks that people can do is whenever you're going to meet with somebody, you look at the top of their LinkedIn, right? You look at where they work now, what their job is now to see kind of what they can do for you now. Fine, but you already know what they do now. They know what they do now. Everybody knows that. Scroll to the bottom, right? And the number of times I've seen, oh, they work with this charity that I've done something for, or, you know, they're from this place that I might, you know, have a connection to or like or want to visit. Or, you know, for years after I got out of college, it was, it was you know, people would sort of as have as like this tiny footnote that they'd been in the same sorority I was in. And I would, you know, bring it up in a way that otherwise I might not have, and they'd be like, I was in that sorority too, right? And that's not something that you necessarily lead with in a conversation, but it creates a commonality. And, it, and so just things like that, when it comes to thinking about how do you build relationships? How do you get people to like you, understand you, trust you? Um, so that then when you present your, you know, your idea, the, what, whatever you want funding for that, you know, you're qualified for, you've done the work, all of that stuff is there. Yeah. But how do you sort of Think, be thoughtful about some of those other underlying things that, that make it easier for them to say yes, because it, it doesn't take a ton of yeses, mm -hmm. um, but it can be very hard to get to a yes when you're good, but there's nothing that makes you sort of stand out from the rest of the pack. Mm -hmm. So could you tell me about what are your major successes? What have some, been some of your biggest successes since being the managing director and founder of Clio Capital? Yeah, um, you know, it's funny in venture capital because the timeline to like real success is very long. Mm -hmm. um, in our industry, success is, is really just measured on how much money you ultimately return to your investors. Mm -hmm. um, and that takes 10 years, 15 years, you know, from the time you invest, especially at the early stage until the time a company you know, might go public or have an acquisition. Um, and so that's a long timeline, but along the way, I think you can look at some of the things that you're doing and how your companies are performing to say it seems like this is working. Yeah. And so, you know, for me, there are companies that I've invested in, um, you know, like Mill, which is uh, Nest, uh, the, one of the founders of Nest, Matt Rogers, you know, the, the, the thermostat that you probably have in your home, um, you know, he'd sold that to Google for 3.2 billion. And when he was thinking about that, what he wanted to do next, he decided he wanted to do something that was sort of even better for the planet. Mm -hmm. um, and so Mill 
Bill is a really interesting company that works to, to take your food scraps, turn them into sort of a, an odorless, like not gross, like composting can be leaking everywhere type thing, um, feed for, for animals. They then sell it to farmers, to feed to chickens, cows, things like that. And so it's a really big, ambitious, you know, interesting problem that he was tackling. And I was incredibly lucky because I was able to invest at the earliest stages because, you know, I had met him and cultivated a relationship with him. And so, you know, and told him, look, I'm an investor, you know, if, if you ever do anything, would love to invest. He's like, oh, you know, I don't think I'm going to start another company. And I'm like, okay, but you probably will. So, you know, call me. (laughs) And so I was one of the first calls. And so, you know, that's been an incredibly successful, you know, launch and some of the, the, you know, additional fundraising they've done beyond that, you know, it's turned into a a significant, you know, likely financial success for the fund. while also, you know, being good for the planet. And it's been great that it was a deal that came to me because, you know, I was showing up and I was relationship building. Well, Sarah, before I let you go, really quickly, tell us one thing you do every single day that you believe contributes to your success. One single thing I do every single day. Honestly, um, I spend so much time skimming headlines. I think when you're an inv- a venture investor, when you're an investor, um, you're not usually super deep on any one thing, um, and certainly not at everything you see, but mm-hmm. you're generally uh, expected to, and you have an edge if you know a little bit about everything. And so, you know, accepting that and waking up and saying, oh my gosh, I have so many email newsletters in my inbox. You know, I'm trying to synthesize data from Bloomberg and, you know, CNBC and Forbes and like all of these different sources and all of these other, you know, other things. How do you do it all? And it it helps if you accept that like you will not read the entirety of the vast majority of the things you're looking at, but you can skim it. And then when something catches your eye or something comes up later, you have a place to go back to and start to dig in more. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you.